Hey, you're listening to the Seven Hills Church Podcast. If you want to learn more about the church, including upcoming service times in both our Cincinnati, Ohio, and Florence, Kentucky locations, visit us online at sevenhillschurch.tv. We hope this message helps you win the day. Well, today we're in part two of our chosen series, and we'll recap last week in just a minute. We're going to be looking at the two apostles, the apostle uh, Thomas and uh, the apostle Matthew today. And we'll be looking at them. And I really want to talk about faith today, how to be faithful in the midst of a faithless time. As we think about uh, the world we live in, uh, there is a fight for our faith. There really is. The Bible says when Jesus comes back again, that he's going to be looking for faith in the earth. It actually asks a question, will he find, will the son of man, when he returns, find faith in the earth? So faith is something that God's looking for. He's looking for faith in your family. He's looking for faith in when you, not just that you attend church, but are you here in faith? Not just do you worship, but there has to be faith in our worship. There has to be faith in our prayer times. There has to be faith in the dream that we have. And God's looking for faith. He wants to know, is there faith in our life? And the Bible actually says this about our faith, that we move, that the righteousness of God moves us from faith to faith. In the Greek, what that means is that there are levels to our faith, that not all faith is the same. The Bible says there's no faith. It mentions small faith. It mentions great faith as well. Uh, the disciples went to Jesus and they prayed that Jesus would increase their faith. So faith is something that there's different dimensions to it. There's different different levels to it. So faith is not something that you have an event with, like you have a momentary experience and then you have all the faith that you need. Faith is one of those things that can even grow in your life. The Bible actually says in Thessalonians that we grow in our faith more and more. So faith is something that can maybe be as small as a mustard seed is what the Bible says. doesn't seem like there's that much to it, but through the reason of use is what Hebrew says, your faith can continue to grow more and more. The Bible talks about faith as one of the fruits of the spirit. So a fruit again is something that grows. And so faith is something that can grow in your life. The Bible says this about faith, that faith works through love. So a lot of people say, well, how do I get my faith working? Well, if you want to get your faith working, love is one of the ways that helps faith grow. Love in your relationships, love in your, your, your family, love when it comes to the things of God, that if you want to find faith, usually love is a big part of that. If you struggle with forgiveness, if you struggle with with serving God. You struggle in areas to have faith with generosity. And it's usually not a faith issue. A lot of times your love needs to catch up and faith and love work together in that way. And so faith can do a few things. Faith can grow. Faith can, faith talks. The Bible says that I believe, therefore I speak. So if you're a person of faith, speaking, talking, articulating your faith is also very, very important. Learning to speak in faith. We look at the world that we live in. We look at the lives around us. And I think we could all agree that most of the problems we have in our life, or let's just, let's just, we'll just throw this statistic out there just to kind of help us think about it. About 50% of our problems are probably because we don't know how to shut our mouths. Would you agree with that? Would you agree with the fact that a big part of, I know for me, sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm like, just shut your mouth. Just quit 
talking. Anybody else like that? You just can't. Just, 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 and you're just like, shut up. Just shut up. Just shut up. Because we can't watch our mouth. We speak negative, negativity. We speak doubt. We say all kinds of things that, that we end up regretting because the Bible says we're snared by the words of our mouth. So you can speak faith. You can declare faith. You can talk in faith. It's a very important thing. And then the Bible says that we fight the good fight of faith. So faith is also a fight. Faith can fight for you. The Bible says it's a good fight. So there's a lot of fights that people are having. They're not good fights. They're fights. They're fighting, but they're not good fights. But if you'll let your faith fight for you, that's a, that's a good fight to have. Amen. And so we're going to look at Again, Thomas, and we're going to look at Matthew in just a moment, but we want to recap last week and then we'll get right to it. Let's check it out. He calls her by her name, Mary, and he says, I formed you. I created you. He's taking her back before the label showed up because really all labels are, are a false narrative that try to keep you and I locked into a lesser form of life. You see, God chose you. He didn't choose you because you were qualified. He chose you out of his own good pleasure because he loves you and I in spite of us. But we have to make the choice. He chose us. Will you choose him? will be there before or after we arrive. After. They don't have a good place to keep it, so I didn't want it there too early. But are they going to show up? With plenty of time for you to roast it your way. Yes. Wait. Hmm. There's only three jars. Yes. That's what they asked for. Reima, I am very concerned. We won't be able to get all three all the way to Cana intact. I told you, we needed four from your vineyard to be safe. I told you, the wedding family can't afford it. I would have paid you out of my own pocket. Thomas, that would almost erase your whole margin. Why would you do that? I, I, I mean, we're a team, right? Well, I think everything will arrive perfectly intact. It's 
especially with how carefully you drive. I just want to be certain that everything... That's going to be fine. Fill these jars with water. I'm not sure you heard her clearly, but we've run out of wine, not water. These are similar in size to your amphorae. The prudent marks, yes. Equally filled all the way to the brim. You're a very responsible person, aren't you? We are in a crisis, and I was led to understand you have a solution. Do you know why jars for purification rites are made of stone? <laughs> what? You heard me. Because the stone is pure. Less likely to stain or break. And it can't be made unclean. Yes. Fill these jars with water all the way to the brim. Why? You heard him. Start drawing water. Quickly. Tell anyone you find to stop what they're doing and help. From the directions you have provided, I see no logical solution to the problem. It's going to be like that sometimes, Thomas. What did you say? I do not rebuke you. It is good to ask questions, to seek understanding. There's no time for this. I know of a man like you in Capernaum, always counting, always measuring. That's my job. And that people will think I have not done well tonight. Join me. And I will show you a new way to count and measure. A different way of seeing time. Go with you where? I, I don't understand. Keep watching. Everyone, please step outside. Just for a moment, Thomas.
draw some out and serve it to the master of the banquet. heard his nickname before. They call him Doubting Thomas. Of course, Jesus does not refer to him that way. The Bible does not refer to him that way. I think it's pretty clear when you know the scriptures that God doesn't acknowledge someone based on the mistake that they make. That's kind of how things work in our world, where we'll know someone because of a mistake that they made, and then that follows them for the rest of their life. He's called Doubting Thomas for a couple reasons. One is when Jesus had been raised from the dead, 
he shows up in the upper room. All the apostles are gathered there except Thomas. We don't know exactly where Thomas was. Most scholars would agree that he was grieving, he was mourning, and he needed his space. Nevertheless, Thomas was not in the room. So the, the Bible says that Jesus came in that room. He's having a conversation with the apostles. The apostles leave that moment. They go tell Thomas about it. And Thomas said, I'll, I'll only believe if I can touch the scars in his hands and the, the wound in his side. So Jesus Several days later, shows up to the apostles again. They're gathered in the same room. This time, Thomas makes it. And so Jesus allows Thomas to touch his wounds. And of course, we would know that from that point on, Thomas was there in the upper room when the Holy Spirit was poured out. He was there in Acts chapter 2 when the early church was born. He would leave that moment, go to India, become a missionary. There's still churches all across that area that trace their roots back to the missionary journey of Thomas, and he would end up dying by a spear being pierced through him. I say this because it's important that we know that God's not afraid of our hard questions. God's not afraid of, of the fact that you and I will have doubts. You and I will have concerns. You and I will have hesitations. Jesus never walks into the room with Thomas after he had made that statement and looks down on him or treats him with anger. No, he's, Jesus is treating him with kindness. He's tender towards Thomas because he knows Thomas is hurting. He knows, he knows Thomas is struggling. And I think about faith, and so many people think that faith is something that always has to be strong. It always has, you always have to have it together. You always have to have the answers. But I think faith is more like a rubber band that it's at its minimum until it's stretched. I have a little hair band. They couldn't find a rubber band for me. This is a last minute illustration. But, but this little hair band, as you could see, the more, if you want to know where its potential is at, it's not, it's, it's at its minimum until you stretch it. And when you stretch it, all of a sudden you begin to see what the potential is with this rubber band. If you were in third, fourth, fifth grade, like I was, rubber bands were a weapon. And you couldn't wait to, you know, pull that rubber band back. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Is this just me? And it's harmless right now, but you stretch it, it can create fear in the strongest of men. <laughs> so the more stress, the more pressure, the more you stretch it, the more its potential is realized. When it feels like it can't take anymore, when it feels like it's going to break, it's going to snap because of the pressure, it's actually realizing its potential. Faith is the same way. The more stress, the more doubt, the more pressure that's put on it, the more its potential begins to be realized. And so God introduces at different phases of your walk with him new doubts, new questions, and a lot of times you'll think, man, I should be through this. I should be over this. This should already be settled. I should, but that's never how it's going to work. God's going to continue to introduce things that will put some pressure on you, will stretch you a little bit, will stretch your faith. And the more you serve him, the bigger the questions will get. Uh, sometimes even the greater the doubts will, will become. But if you'll just allow him to stretch you, you'll begin to find that great potential 
comes from even those times where there's great questions and great doubts. Jesus is in this synagogue and there's a man that the Bible says has a withered hand and Jesus walks up to him and he says to stretch it out. Now he could have stretched out his strong hand. He could have stretched out his able hand. You know, he's in church. That's what we do, right? We want everybody to see our strengths. We want everybody to see that we have it together and we hide the weak areas. We hide the withered areas. We hide the areas where we're not strong. We don't want anybody to see that, that we have some issues and that we have some weaknesses. So we stretch out the strong hand. Problem is, is there's no faith when there's no stretch. And if there's no stretch, there's no miracle. So he stretches out the withered hand and the Bible says, Jesus heals that weakness, heals that area of his life that has been withered. And it's the same way with us. We have to be willing to be stretched or our faith won't grow. We won't begin to see God do incredible, magnificent things in our life. I want to challenge you today. If your faith is feeling stretched, you're in good company with Thomas. You're in good company with the apostle that they call doubting Thomas, but we would know that he's not a doubter at all. Matter of fact, every single one of the apostles doubted when they heard of the resurrection. Every single one of them wondered, how could this be possibly true? It's a normal thing in your walk with God to have doubts. Let's continue watching as we check out next the apostle Matthew. Matthew, the tax collector, brutal. Where's your escort? He didn't want to enter. He feels that my lack of social grace. He is... thinks you'll get him killed. Yes. Uh, not today, Matthew. No. <laughs> today, I am in need. You heard me right. I am in need of your machine. My machine? Your mind, Matthew. Keep up. Might have been right about Simon. Don't cross me. Maybe. Probably. Truth is, I don't have many seaworthy troops here. It might have been an accident. Dominus? Follow Simon. I want to know where he goes, with whom he meets. Tell me what they're talking about, what he's drinking. Anything. The latter may prove difficult. In fact, all of what you request, Dominus, may prove difficult. But you're a resourceful man, goal-oriented. I'm not accepted. Where? Anywhere. I'm a tax collector. Viewed with jealousy. Hated. Everyone hates tax collectors. They're worse than the Romans. You were born Roman. I made the choice. So go in disguise, I don't care. Uh, you can write, can't you? Yes. Uh, write everything, every detail. Is your booth protected? Yes, Dominus. My dog guards it while I'm away. <laughs> oh, Matthew, you are a priceless treasure. Of course you have a dog.
bark sometimes too. Put that down for a catch. A little farther out. All right. That's your word. is worth a lot. It's amazing. It's impossible. Ralphie is be home soon. He's away. On a work trip. Where will work take him? Does he no longer make leather goods? His shop was robbed. You can ask me for money if you ever need it. How can you say that? It's quite common. I've seen many parents entirely dependent on... Your father would sooner die than take your blood money. I know you are ashamed of me, but your decision is irrational. Rome will continue to collect taxes no matter what. I'm skilled with numbers. Did you come here to justify yourself? <gasps> no! Everything's like sand in a flood. The things I thought I knew to be true. Are you in trouble? Do you think that impossible things can happen? That overturn the laws of nature? That cannot be explained? That is what people asked when you were a boy. Even the rabbis were astonished at your talent for reading, math, the way you could think faster than any other child. They thought you would be someone great. Great at what? I'm rich. I have an armed escort. I'm trusted by the Praetor of we Galilee. We never dreamed you would use the talent God gave you to bleed your people dry. But have you ever seen anything miraculous? Like you. My whole world. Everything I thought I knew. What if it's wrong? I think you should go.
Goodbye, Rima. number one hindrance to a lot of people's faith is we're so ingrained that we only get what we deserve. And because we don't believe we're deserving of the goodness of God, the grace of God, we disqualify ourselves many times. Matthew's a great example of that. When Jesus says, follow him, one of the first things he has to learn to do is he has to learn to forgive himself. He has to learn that it's not about what he deserves. Matthew is a tax collector. He's a publican. And you have to think about it in the terms of biblical times. This would have been like a mafia. Uh, this is a, a thug, a criminal. This is a guy that hires people to go shake people down and really rob and steal money from people. So Matthew is considered a social outcast. He is considered, socially speaking, he's um, like a prostitute or a harlot. So he's, he's, he's at the very bottom of the social, social ladder. But I love the fact that what Matthew teaches us is a very important thing about faith. 
that faith, true faith is not about what you deserve or what you don't deserve. Faith is realizing, especially faith in Jesus Christ is realizing that Jesus got what you deserved. That's what the cross is about. When you go to the cross and you see just the crucifixion and it's brutal and it's bloody and it's horrific. That's what you deserved. And that was put on Jesus. And the reason he paid that price was so that you would get not what you deserve. He already paid the price for what you deserve. And the truth is, if we all got what we deserve, we would all be crispy critters, right? None of us deserve the goodness of God, the love of God, the favor of God. But Jesus came, he bled and he died. Not so you could get what we deserve, but so we could have what he deserves. That's faith. Faith is me standing up here saying, I don't deserve to be up here. I don't deserve to be in the presence of a a wonderful, loving God. But Jesus made that all possible. There's a story in the Bible that I think illustrates this so well. It's of a Canaanite woman. And her daughter is sick, and she comes to Jesus, and she needs her daughter to be healed. And the Bible says that she cries out to him to have mercy on her, and that Jesus doesn't even acknowledge her. He's silent, completely silent. She presses a little bit more, and when he does acknowledge her, he he basically says, I can't help you because you're not one of the lost sheep of Israel. She pushes past that even a little bit more, and Jesus calls her a dog, is what he calls her. And it's a controversial statement. How could the son of God, this loving, gracious God, how would he call another person a dog? And the Bible says the moment she heard that, she started to worship him. Think about that. He calls her a dog. Her response is to worship. And Jesus says in that moment that she has great faith. So great faith is not you living your life in this place where you don't think you deserve anything. Great faith is where you say, okay, maybe I'm a dog. Maybe I'm a sinner. Maybe I'm a tax collector. Maybe, maybe I'm somebody that's messed life up. Maybe I'm, I've got all kinds of things against my record, but yet I know I can worship the one who is worthy. And I know I can Expect the goodness of God, not because I'm deserving of it, but because Jesus provided a way for me to have that in spite of the fact that I'm not worthy. And that's where faith comes in, where you say, I'm not worthy, but he is. I'm nothing special. I'm nothing great, but he is. I can't do this on my own, but he can. The Bible says without that kind of faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You and I have to get to the point where we realize that whatever goodness we receive has nothing to do with us anyway. But we worship in spite of the fact that we're undeserving. We honor God in spite of the fact that we haven't measured up in areas of our life. I love the fact that God did not put faith up in the trees so only a giraffe could reach it. God put faith so even the smallest child could get a hold of it. It's a simple thing. It's an easy thing. But we grab a hold of it, not because we're deserving, but because he is. Let's continue to watch this work out in the life of Matthew. Most of that Zebedee's to the group, and it's Salam um, is cooking. cooking. Thought that even I said that. What? Taxman! Simon, Andrew. I guess no one told you the good news. We sweat our debts with Quintus. 
Isn't that great? So, go back to your cage and stop following us. It's not you. I'm here about the man. What man? The man at the shore who made the fish appear. Man on the shore. You saw no man on the shore. Do you hear yes, me? Yes, I did! I was there, I saw! And I bet the first thing you did was tell Rome, huh? Simon! They don't believe me! You really are a traitor. What? Best for you to forget it. Go home, Matthew. They don't believe what I saw. But I do. I need to know. Am I deceived? What good is our answer if you don't even listen to yourself? Matthew. Matthew, son of Alpheus. Yes. Follow me. Me? <laughs> yes, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh. What are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy has done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to... What are you doing? Where do you think you're going, guys? Let me go. Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're gonna throw it all away. Get it when I chose you either. But this is different. I'm not a tax collector. Get used to different. Turn.
Well, real quick, if you could bow your head and close your eyes just briefly, I promise we'll be out here in just a few moments. If you cannot slip out over the next few minutes, just this is the most important part of the service, believe it or not. Right now is, is to me, one of the reasons we exist as a church, to give people an opportunity that maybe you have doubts, maybe you have questions, maybe, maybe you have the re- reasons why you've pulled back in your faith. And today we want to help you just reconnect with God in a new way, in a fresh way. So no one is looking around. It's just between you and God, just between you and, and Jesus today. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, Marcus, I'm not right with God. I'm not right with Jesus Christ. You're here today and you'd say you've not put your trust in him. I don't know what the reasons are. We all have our reasons why. Maybe we don't feel like we deserve a new start, a new beginning. Maybe shame, condemnation, guilt, different things try to keep us from stepping into the new life that God really desires for us to have. And you're here today and you say, Marcus, I know today I'm not right with God. Super easy question. Super easy question. Probably the most important question you'll ever answer. And that is, if for some unfortunate reason, this were to be your last day on the planet, would you be ready to stand before God? And if your answer to that is no, or I don't know, can I just help you? You can leave this room today knowing. You can leave this room being assured that you're right with God. And if that were to happen, you'd be completely ready to stand before God. You can leave this room today knowing without any question that you and God are good, that you're at peace with God. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to lift your hand. When you lift your hand, you're here saying, Marcus, I'm not sure where I stand with God. I, I have questions concerning where I'm at with God. I have doubts concerning where I'm at with God. Or maybe, maybe you would just know without any question that you're not right with God, but you want to be. You're here saying, I know I need forgiveness. I know I need a new beginning. And I know I need a new start. No one looking around. Every eye closed. You're here saying, Marcus, would you pray for me? Would you pray that today that that lack of, of assurance that I have, maybe that, that concern where I'm not ready to stand before God, would you pray that today I could be ready? Would you pray with me that today I could get right with God? And my answer to you would be absolutely. We would love nothing more than to believe God with you that today all things would become brand new, that today old things would pass away and behold, all things would become brand new. So on the count of three, you say, Marcus, I need to get right with God. I need to get right with Christ. I need forgiveness. I need a new beginning. Slip that hand up as high as you can on the count of three. One, two, three. Lift that hand up as high as you can. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Keep it up if you can. Thank you. Thank you. I love watching couples. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you. 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 Anybody else? Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? God bless you. It's an amazing thing watching a husband raise his hand, and then the wife follows. Something beautiful about that. In other words, more go, more follow you than you would ever think. I love even talking to men sometimes in the room that your kids deserve that you'd say, yes, today I'm going to get right with God because they're following you too. Mom, dad, are you right with God today? Are you right with Jesus today? 
Anybody else? You say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. If you lifted your hand up, I'm going to ask you to lift that hand back up. Lift it back up. You lifted your hand up. Boldly lift it back up. And now I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. The whole church is going to celebrate. The whole church is going to clap. We're going to wait as long as we need to. I want you to let nothing hold you back from this next step. If you've lifted your hand, I want you to get out of the seat wherever you're at. And I want you to come down to the front, to this altar. And as you come, we're going to sing. If you're by someone, would you grab them and help them? If someone's in your aisle, make room for them. If you lifted your hand, would you quickly come? If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to hit the subscribe button. And if you want to experience daily content, messages, and inspiration, go ahead and sign up for Daily Bread with PM by visiting sevenhillschurch.tv dbpm. Thanks for listening to the Seven Hills Church Podcast.